Hurricane Lee is in the path of many, including us right now. I, 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 I must apologize. I would have recorded this earlier in the week or in the day if I could have, but then it started to rain earlier this morning, and I'm like, it's, ooh, it's gonna be just our luck. That's that's something that's something happens. So, for the next 60 minutes or less, I sure hope nothing bad happens weather-wise or power-wise. Uh, we're on the roller coaster right now, folks, and you're riding it with us. It's funny, <laughs> I, I feel like we've been trying to get away from talking about the weather every week because though that might be very interesting to East Coasters like ourselves, you know, it doesn't really play if you're listening to the show in Finland or Israel, which apparently, according to our metrics, some people do. That being said, I feel like this is one that's actually affecting uh, a l- large portion of the listeners, right? It's making its way up the United States each- East Coast just as much as... Uh, uh, oh my goodness. I'm so wrapped with worry over this hurricane will that I can't even speak properly. Well, that's well, that's, what, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying is that like, yeah, I, 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 th- I think you're right. It's like the kind of like topical like, oh, the weather here in Nova Scotia, Canada. It's like, yeah, I know, I know. Not a lot of people care about that. It just kind of comes out. With this one, it's like actually affecting... Like people in America, yeah. people who matter, people who listen to the show, <laughs> people who matter, the <laughs> listeners for sure. That's who matters the most. Um, so yeah, Hurricane Lee, check in safe in the Discord, um, and let's hope that the power lasts for the next hour. <laughs> I mean, if, if let's hope that the power lasts for the entire weekend. I True. I need to take a shower. True. I need to do my laundry. Um, listen, while we're talking about this, there's pros and cons to everything in life. Will. I uh, was supposed to go on a work trip, as I'm one to do this weekend. Oh, yeah. It's now been canceled due to the inclement weather. Oh. And, you know, I, I try to ha- uh, not indulge too much in, in uh, let's say, marathon gaming sessions in my later stages in life. I think, you know, it's not necessarily high- healthy to be gaming for long periods of time. I like to go outside, be social, see people. But I'm now taking this opportunity of a newfound reined-in weekend to just literally play Baldur's Gate two for Baldur's Gate three rather for forty eight hours straight, and my hope is that the power lasts for all of that, and it's just going to be the best chill weekend other uh, ever. Otherwise, you know, we got to get our provisions, fill up the bathtub, you know, get light the candles, all that, all that jazz. Yeah, so I mean, sounds good to me. Hey, if, listen, if the power went out, I've got a lot of books that I that could use some reading, but I I don't want that to happen. Like, there's other stuff that I got to do, like record Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Hi, everybody, it's Will Young and Lucas Mancini, and thank you very much for joining us as we are now at the halfway point of Arthur season. 18. So we are very happy that you're here and hope that you're staying safe. If you are in the pass of the hurricane, uh, as you might be listening to this, I guess if you're a patron, if you're on the free feed, this is all hopefully blown over and we're not into hurricane Mike, hurricane Mike. There, there actually is another one there. Wait, what is the other hurricane called? Is there other? Yeah. There's like another one that's like farther out. So it's probably not going to hear, hear us hit. Oh my God. Hit us. I don't know what's going on with me tonight. Will. Um, okay, Hurricane Lee, Hurricane Matea or something? It's like, what are the hurricanes? I'm going to Google what are the hurricanes. And maybe that one will hit our other listeners. Who knows? Mm. Any, uh, anyway, uh, we are going to get into that in just a second. I do want to just quickly go over to our mailbag, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We just have a quick one. Uh, it's from Anthony about something we talked about 
uh, on our last episode. Remember, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you want to email us. Anthony says, hello, Lucas and Will. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. I wanted to send this quick email. In your last episode, you two wondered if this was the first time George opened an episode. Lucas assumed no and is right. George also opened the show in season 13's When Carl Met George. Now, how did I forget about that one? A list of cold open hosts for most of the series episodes can be found in the Arthur Wiki. Hope this helps. It does, Anthony. Thank you. We will consult that next time. And we appreciate the expertise of our listeners to fill in the gaps where uh, our knowledge runs short. Um, Speaking of our listeners quickly touch on the patreon patreon.com slash elwood city limits that is where you can get the latest in our side series we have the latest episode of ecl origins which is all about beast wars or beasties depending on where in north america you were and at the beginning of october we are going to be doing our next episode of for the kids pbs kids podcast now if you're wondering why it's at the beginning of october and not the end of september I also put out a notice about there's going to be a bit of schedule change. Schedule, well, I should say schedule change. There's, we're going to be having a few guests on the show as Lucas is going to be doing a bit of traveling. So the next couple of episodes of ECL after this one, we're going to have some guests on. And then we'll be getting to our new For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. Uh, hopefully, knock on wood, with Lucas safely back in Halifax. And if you are on the Patreon... We want to thank you for your support. We want to thank some people by name, including Stella, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, who I saw recently in person, Rachel Pearson. Thank you to Ursula Cat, to JHC and Kirsten. Thank you to Veronica Tram, Anthony Williams, and RG. Thank you to Katie and Jeffrey Norris. Thank you to Dear Miss Elizabeth. Jack and Jeff L. And we want to say thank you to Ben Spatall and to our newest patron, Purple Stars 2006. Thanks everybody for your support at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. It really helps. We're talking about this episode of Arthur, smack dab in the middle of season 18 where we are. And of course, we see the episode titles before we talk about them the week before. And this one was called Fountain Abbey fountain as in water fountain and it's just like okay Mm. well we know what this is gonna be and pretty much yeah so the story here as explained in the cold open is that muffy is apparently going to find out if she is a princess of the legendary fountain abbey which is a british I know it's I know it's an abbey, but like, well, but like, well, how would you how would you, how, would, how would you describe how would you describe a British abbey? A, a residence, an estate, a, a, a mansion in the country mm-hmm. where there's rich people who live at the mansion in the country, and they have servants. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, no, I, I I like that, I like that. So the whole thing here is that almost from the beginning of the episode, we are getting a full on parody of. The very popular television show Downton Abbey. I've written this Downtown Abbey. What a what a what a <laughs> what a new what a noob I am, huh? That's where I, that's what I would love to go to is down. Take me to Downtown Abbey. Downtown Abbey. Um, downtown. Uh, so Downton Abbey, and it's complete with like a parody of the opening of Downton Abbey. I assume I have never seen that episode of the show. Okay, I was going to ask Will, what is your experience with Downton Abbey? Or Downton Abbey the movie. Zero. Absolutely. Um, absolutely none. Like, I I know that Judy Dench is on the show. Dame Judy Jen, Dench, excuse me. 
and I know it's British, and that's it. Uh, I I guess have a little bit more familiarity with you. I still have not watched a full episode of Downton Abbey from start to finish. Okay. Um, I know that my mom really likes it. <laughs> it's like a show like my mom like loves. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it's about both the rich people that live in an abbey and the servants that serve them. It's like you get to see the life lifestyles of both people and there's a lot of melodrama, you know, kind of soap operatic in that it's like, oh, someone came back from the war, but it's actually it was another person that stole their identity and people waking up from comas and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and I know that uh, mid-2000s, underground rapper cool ad sampled the theme song for his song okay um all right which is he's just rapping over the downton abbey theme song well there's a movie and i saw the trailer mm -hmm. for the movie because i was watching a lot of independent movies at that time when that movie was coming out in theaters and it seems like they all go on a vacation in the movie (laughs) okay so it also puts it into perspective a little bit because in this we are like we've determined that this is 2013 2014-ish and it really puts it into a, a space and time of like that was Downton Abbey. Now, of course, you can still watch it now, but it's hard it, it's we're still kind of forming a cultural memory of the 2010s. So it's funny to think of Downton Abbey as like yeah, that was like 10 years ago. Like wow, it feels like it was just yesterday. Anyway, I'll just apologize right away. There's going to be a lot of Downton Abbey references that we're talking about in this episode. I don't I don't get them. They went right over my head. Well, I'm sorry. Okay. One more thing I want to talk about, especially with this cold open, yes. is the title treatment is kind of notable in that, you know, Arthur's done countless parodies from Henry Screever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is, you know, an early season parody. The Scare Your Pants Off books, which are essentially like Goosebumps books. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've never ever gone full on to an episode of Arthur is like full on parroting a show to the point where we like have a fake name and tight like a parody name and title treatment. Yeah. Right? Like the, this Downton I'm looking I'm paused on this Fountain Abbey logo right now at 136. And it literally is like the same thing happens in the Downton Abbey sequence where it's like it says Downton Abbey and there's like a mirror image of the Abbey and it's like because it's supposed to connote like oh you know the people who live in this alley there's two lives to be had in this Abbey, right? Those who serve and those who are being served. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we've had our parodies in the past, but I never—I don't know if it's ever been so one-to-one like this. Well, you could argue they had a uh, an episode or two that was like an extended um, thing with the 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 Hercule Poirot detective that Fern mm-hmm. plays, but that's also like Poirot was a, a literary character as much as he is like a television or film character. So it's kind of similar-ish, but not exactly what you're talking about. This may be the longest, and of course, there was long, long ago, we had the multiple television parodies in that one episode, but that was, again, multiple. So it, it, it makes sense, because Downton Abbey is a PBS property. It's distributed by PBS in the States. And uh, yeah, it, it would make sense that they would probably try and, at the time, surely, a lot of parents who had kids watching Arthur were probably watching Downton Abbey themselves. So yeah, I, I think it totally makes sense. It's just too bad we don't know much about it. And because it's a Downton Abbey parody for much of the episode, a lot of the characters have to put on British accents. And I will say, 
Melissa Altro, who voices Muffy, and Bruce Dinsmore, who voices Binky, very good British accents. Sometimes the cultural accents can be a little bit, like, they can be a little broad because they're mainly comedic. <laughs> these, these are pretty good, I think. Um, that's my first epi- uh, note of the episode is accents, uh, all <laughs> one word, all caps, rather. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they're not necessarily bad. It's just that there's a lot of them. There are. And so if you know, like I, that these are people acting, um, it, it maybe it could get on your nerves, but they're actually pretty well executed. It's not like we've seen in the past, like you said, where sometimes some of these French accents are getting a little bit wild. <laughs> and th- that's not even to make mention of that Italian flea. Yeah. Um, th- these are fairly good. You can tell that everyone's trying to basically give it their best here. Mm-hmm. I mean... It, it's it's kind of like with people wanting Charles Martinet to be the voice of Mario for the entire movie. Not to, again, not to reference this movie again, but it's just like, yeah, but after like 10 minutes, it would get a little bit old. So they do manage to do it without a whole lot of like really playing it broadly. So like I said, Muffy is apparently going to find out she's a princess of Fountain Abbey. They have uh, sent away for an online ancestry service. Uh, you're 23 and me and stuff like that. You ever, you ever, you ever done one of these? Not really because, you know, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Like it's not one of those things where it's like, like for instance here, Muffy and Binky, first of all, big revelations here with Muffy that she's British. You know, we don't really know a lot of the cultural ancestry of a lot of these Arthur characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, with me, it's not like I have to go back that far into my ancestry to figure out where everybody came from. So (laughs) it's not worth giving up my DNA, my precious DNA uh, to find out for me. How about yourself? No, not me. Um, My wife did a similar thing once, but it was to um, it was less about family lineage and more to like answer questions about like, genetic predisposition for illness or disease it was more of like a medical issue thing and it was mostly positive or at least it was revelatory so no i haven't done one of these either it's like yeah i don't have the money for that so muffy invites everyone to what she expects to be her coronation because she believes that she's royalty but when they look at the results the well and and Muffy believes she's royalty because she has a picture of her great great grandmother whose name is Mary Alice Miller outside of the legendary Fountain Abbey and when they look at the results she's devastated to to discover that Mary Alice Miller was a housemaid of Fountain Abbey but Binky finds this interesting because he has a similar photo of an ancestor outside Fountain Abbey and he investigates and finds a picture of his ancestor whose name is Lord Bingford Bantam the owner of Fountain Abbey. So Muffy is not descended from royalty, but Binky is. It feels feels like a retcon. Like, I don't know how <laughs> sure. far back in history we have to go to get to, you know, when... For, it just seems crazy unlikely that... Because this is in England, right? This isn't taking place in the colonial United States. So it's like, okay, so Binky and Muffy's great, 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 great ancestors happen to know each other. And then their families happen to both kind of immigrate to Elwood City. Um, they have kind of have to do this to have this kind of B plot. Or I guess it's more of the A plot. This is kind of the framing device. Mm-hmm. Uh, the A plot of the, the Fountain Abbey story. Um 
but this feels like totally just some late game. Like for for us who who kind of care about the lore, given that we have to talk about this show every week and have been following Arthur for all these years, this is kind of a huge revelation that <laughs> Pinky's descended from like an aristocrat, uh, a British aristocrat. Well, uh, yeah. But instead, it just feels like something that they made up for this episode that's never going to come back again because they wanted to do a Downton Abbey parody. Well, and they had that thing where Binky had like an ancestor who was in the circus. And oh, I, right. I, I made I made the I made this point later in my notes, but again, to go with the theme of Arthur remixing its previous episodes, there are elements of this that are present in the season two episode, Background Blues, which is a Francine episode where she's talking about her grandpa, uh, who was an advisor to Abraham Lincoln, but it also involves Muffy looking into her uh, background as well. She thinks that she could be a princess, but actually the crosswires were just plain folks. So I'm assuming that Mary Alice Miller is on her mother's side. Like her mother married into the crosswires. And so the crosswires were plain folks, but then, well, actually, no, it would be the crosswires because at the end of the episode, Mary Alice Miller starts the crosswire fortune. Oh, Oh man. Okay. I wasn't even thinking about this when I made notes about it, but you're right. This is ugh, this is getting confusing the more I think about it. <sighs> All right. So, a lot of this episode is from the point of view of Mary Alice Miller. It's Francine reading out some of this diary. Honestly, I don't have a lot to say about this because it's kind of kitty comedic down abbey parody. And that's kind that's kind of it. So, let me let me get let me just give you the blow by blow here. So Mary Alice Miller was a, a fairly clumsy maid. She ends up breaking a lot of expensive things in the Fountain Abbey, practically anything she touches while Lord Binkford Bantam, Binky's ancestor was a very lonely man. So Mary Alice helps Lord Bantam with his juggling act. At first he just has one single bowling pin. And then she just, she suggests, uh, juggling more bowling pins and on the back of a horse. And she hopes to be able to help Fountain Abbey out of its dire financial straits. The other major character in the Fountain Abbey, I think I said Downton Abbey there. We're going to keep doing that. Sorry. I think the other major character in the Fountain Abbey parts is DW, who, if I'm not mistaken, she's playing the Dame Judy Dench part. Like, I think, I think that's her character, right? She's like the, the grandmother, mother figure of, Downton Abbey. We're getting out of my uh, We're getting deeply out of my Downton Abbey knowledge. We might have to le- le- lean on the listeners a little bit this week t- to uh, give us that level of insight. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it makes sense. Okay, like, I, and I was also guessing by what she's wearing. Like, I think I've seen Judy Dench wear that stuff before in like promos and stuff. Anyway, she is the the head of the house. Mary Alice Miller is framed by Ms. O'Brien, who is Francine in a Scottish accent and forced to leave because Ms. O'Brien gives her a birthday gift of earrings that it turns out belongs to D.W.'s character. And on her way out, they manage to clear up the confusion and Mary Alice Miller becomes the Abbey's business manager because she suggests that a circus be built on the land. There is like part of the Fountain Abbey land that they want to sell. And so they end up selling it to a circus and DW and Mary Alice Miller make a bunch of money and the kids in real time 
find an old article about Mary Alice Miller in the library. They find out she sailed to America after selling Fountain Abbey to a newspaper mogul, and they started what would end up being the Crosswire car business. I, uh, I, I will say, again, this is like only based off me half seeing episodes of Downton Abbey like walking by while my mom was watching it and I'm doing the laundry or something. But I think the events of this parody hold pretty true to the kind of like backstabbing and melodrama in a typical Downton Abbey episode. Yeah. Like specifically that little episode with the uh, with the earrings, you know, Francine giving her the earrings and it's like, you know where it's going. It's like, oh, she actually stole them and it's and, and Francine's lying and she's trying to get her kicked off. But, you know, the kind hearted Binky takes pity on her because she's got so many good ideas. Um, this feels like something that's very reminiscent of kind of how Down- Downton Abbey operates. Yeah, it's it seems to be a good style parody because even though you and I have not seen it, it feels true to what little we understand about the show. This would be a great opportunity for any of our listeners who who are familiar with Downton Abbey. Please email in and let us know how Arthur got it because we can't really really judge by that. Uh by what we see here. And at the end Muffy just comes to a better understanding of her ancestry and hopes to visit Fountain Abbey one day. And that's that's kind of all I got. Was there anything else you wanted to say about it? No, just that uh, something that this episode has very much in common with the other episodes you mentioned at the top is that I like when Arthur kind of uh, shows the, qual- the, the value of old school research mm. of going to the library and busting out the um, the micro the micro fiche yeah the micro fiche rather sorry uh, uh not the if it was the departed it would be micro processes <laughs> um no the micro fiche um We've got a couple episodes now, and you know everybody, even people who don't watch Arthur, will. Whenever I tell them I have an Arthur podcast, they're always talking about having fun isn't hard if you got a library card. Yeah, and everybody knows the value of the public library in terms of you can get free books there. Uh, but Arthur has lately been talking a lot about you know the research capabilities of the library, and uh, to this day, if you want to do really good, solid research, you know you go to a librarian, they show you through the archive. And you can look at that microfiche and check out old newspapers, which is really how it's done. Um, and so I like that Arthur keeps bringing that element back. You know, it's not just uh, taking up books at the public library. Uh, soon we got to have an episode where they play like a PS4, because I think libraries have PS4s now. Gotta go to the library and play Roblox on the computer. <laughs> yeah, really. And now a word from us kids. This is Joe and his first grade class talking about their legacy, which is related to this uh, to this first story here. They're making these little legacy books. So they have like drawings and family pictures of their history and how they want their children to remember them. Kind of a heavy topic for six year olds. Maybe not heavy, but yeah. head D. Like there's there's uh, a lot the, to the think phrasing. about. The phrasing is what's heady about it. Like it's it's I I, I wrote down the same thing. Will uh, to hear a six year old be like, "What is good, my legacy gonna be?" Like I, I'm used to six year olds being like, "What am I gonna be when I grow up? A firefighter, race car driver, whatever." Um, but to think about the leg, you know, to think about what will outlive you <laughs> about your reputation. <laughs> that's quite the subject for you know someone who can um, not tie their shoes. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it, it's a neat little exercise, and it does actually relate to the story. Sometimes they're not guaranteed to do that. I will say there was one 
cute little thing that one of them said. They were talking about their great grandmother, and he said, "I never met my great grandmother, but I love her very much." Oh. That's really nice. Supporting this podcast is how it keeps going, and it's very easy to do. So here's how you can do that. If you're listening to this show and want to get the full back catalog of Elwood City Limits and all of its sister shows and offshoots, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even more services. You can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, for the full back catalog. If we aren't on a service you use, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at ECL Podcast. Instagram at Elwood City Limits and twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits pod for our occasional streams. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us and your email might be right on the show. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. Finally, for exclusive content, including entire side series like For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast and ECL Origins, subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's all for now. Thanks a lot for listening. And now back to the show. And the pair for this one is called Arthur Calls It. And in the cold open, Lucas, you have to sometimes learn to trust your instincts, especially if you're Bitsy Baxter trying to use a new GPS to get to a new bookstore, but instead you get led into a river. This is uh, I felt kind of seen here. You know what? I'm actually guilty of this. This is a real uh, bad trait of mine is that I have a terrible sense of direction, Will. Okay. And it's not even so much that I have a bad sense of direction. It's just I don't like to concern myself with having to be aware of where I am and where I'm going. So <laughs> just, I be just pure, pure, pure vibes wayfinding. Ex- well, I'd be using the Google map to go to places I've sure. been to like a hundred times. I'm in my own city, and I'm using Google maps from point A to point B because I'm like, ah, the computer knows the best way. The robot knows the shortcut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, like for Bitsy here, it goes awry. And I'm all turned around because I decided to use the Google map instead of my own good instincts. So I actually really liked this intro. Uh, it's not often that I relate to Bitsy of all people. Right. Um, I also think that where this ends up going actually gets kind of thrilling near the end. Like when Bitsy like realizes she's running out of road and she's going to jump the river. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, this gets like, like it gets pretty precarious. There's a almost like smoky in the bandit esque stunt with Bitsy. The car, I don't even think makes the jump over the river. It, like there's air and then it bounces off the river to the other side. Um, and then the big payoff is she goes, you know, why don't we have a picnic instead? Cause we're in the middle of nowhere. Um, Which, by the way, how could you have a picnic? You got to plan for a picnic if you don't have the stuff. Yeah, she didn't bring you. you she didn't bring food with her. I also, yeah. I also thought that. And and w- so I actually have a pretty decent sense of direction. It's street names I have a problem with, but with this GPS, what on top of you know everything else that happens, it's sass, It's a sassy GPS. Now I don't oh, know. Yeah, if, the- I don't know if you can get <laughs> GPS. Yeah, like obviously, like I had a family member who got like a. Billy Conley GPS, so it said everything in Scottish, uh, in a Scottish accent, I should say. Um, but I don't know if you can get ones that are like openly hostile to you. So D- Bitsy misses a turn, and the GPS says, "Back up and turn right, like I told you." I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Like 
At this point, there's got to be GPSs that insult you, I'm sure. And maybe... That's just what the ones in the Tesla sounds like. <laughs> um, but I don't know if it's if, if it's really this if this picky. And I also don't know exactly who that's for uh, to be to be ridiculed in your own car. But I, it's not for me to know. So trusting your instincts. The actual story about this has to do with Arthur and his baseball team. Mr. Ratburn is the umpire in the game, but he is has to be replaced last minute. He gets a call from his mother, who has his History of Puppetry DVDs that have come in, which... Whoa, whoa. Yeah, they're not just History of Puppetry DVDs. Did you notice what auteur actually put together the History of Puppetry documentary? Mm, no, I, I didn't. It was Ben Kearns. So, meaning that it's a parody of Ken Burns. Oh, I completely um, missed that. <laughs> uh, he was like, by Ben Kurd's History of Puppetry. Um, which, I listen, it made me want, I want to see Ben Kurd's on an episode of Arthur. I feel like that's so within kind of the genre of guests we have when they're not a big celebrity like Matt Damon, but they're just like an, a PBS person, you know, jazz yeah. musicians, architects, that kind of thing. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to have Ben, or now I don't even know which one's the real one, Ken Burns on Arthur talking about the Civil War or jazz, you know? <laughs> um, give him little animal ears on that ridiculous hair of his. I don't know if you've ever seen Ken Burns' hair, but he's got like Justin Bieber hair. Okay. Um be a fun time. I'm a fan of the films of Ken Burns. I've never seen a Ken Burns yet. Uh, I would like to. So yeah, the History of Puppetry DVDs, which to me, uh, like I'm, I'm interested. In. I, I, I would, I would watch that. Uh, so somebody has to replace him as the umpire, and both teams determine that the fairest person they could think of who's there is Arthur. So Arthur is going to be the umpire. There, there's a good line here because George and Wally are doing the commentary, as we established in a previous episode. That's what George is really good at. And Wally says, I have a conflict of interest. I'm related to the bat. So decent, decent, I thought. Uh, Arthur, as the umpire, makes a very tricky call where Buster hits a near home run and runs all the way home, but slides into home and Arthur says that he is out. And his friends get very mad at him because they're convinced that Buster wasn't out. But Arthur sticks to his guns. This is actually... uh, (laughs) It's it's I would say it's more like Arthur to bend, but he he believes he's right and he refuses to apologize to them. He think he thinks that he made the right call here. So, I mean, kudos to him. He He's not always the he doesn't always have the straightest spine of everybody. The most backbone, I should say. Everybody's in sense, especially Francine, Muffy and Buster. Uh, Francine publishes a goes as far to publish a poll in the Frensky Star that 72% of kids who were polled say that Arthur was wrong, even though, as he says, none of them were there. So how would they know? It's... Right. We, we kind of get the whole cast, like how everyone's reacting to it. Um, Buster's through line here is he's writing a memoir about the situation uh, called I Was Safe, <laughs> uh, which right. he suggests he changes it to uh, Safe 2, well, Safe, so that it's easier to make sequels, Safe 2 and Safe, free, safe 3. Yeah, no, I, I like that because Muffy's going to make the movie adaptation yeah, of uh, um, yeah. No, I thought that was that was really good too. Um, they all, Francine also has this bit where she goes up to Arthur and he's just like, "Look, I'm really sorry. Uh, I didn't I didn't mean to like make you upset about this whole thing. Uh, listen, I I got you this as like a present and it's a pair of glasses because he clearly needs them. And I'm like, okay, the 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 walk up to that bit was really good. I appreciated her commitment to it. 
Um, we see George put on the glasses. I think he looks a bit like Bubbles from the Trailer Park Boys. He's got the big old pupils. Oh, I I didn't even. That's I see the resemblance. Muffy tries to bribe Arthur as well. She drives up in her limo next to his house and drops a new Dark Bunny action figure with detachable jetpack and kung fu grip that you know Arthur picks up for her, and she's like, "Oh no, you can keep it." And Arthur's not interested. Again, he's just very much sticking to his guns. And then she says <laughs> something along something along the lines of. Uh, what about what about a visit from Mr. Imitation Golden Watch? <laughs> well, so a couple of things about this. One, what makes this bit work so well is that Arthur knows what's going on from the jump. Like she drops yes. her dark buddy action figure so obviously, and Arthur like doesn't even want to pick it up because he knows where this is going. And he slowly goes to pick it up and Muffy immediately, the second he lays his hands on it, is like, You can just keep it by the way. I don't even need it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and and again, Arthur sticking to his guns, but it's getting harder and harder because there's being pressure put on him to just admit that he was wrong, but he doesn't think he's wrong. And he's Arthur is torn as to whether to apologize and get everyone off his back or continue to stick to his guns. He has a brief uh, psychologist couch moment with DW, who is wearing a fake beard that she found in the garage because it makes it keeps her chin warm, um, but he doesn't really get anywhere with that. Meanwhile, this this is yeah. really funny because for some reason, like, I I get why this parody exists in the context of this episode. But if you think about it, of like, why does DW understand the mechanics of psychoanalysis? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, why is DW doing this bit? And it's really funny. You know, Arthur's laying on the couch, and DW is like, "Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. continue, yes." Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, Arthur and Arthur's like, why are you talking like that? She she watches too much TV. I don't I don't know what to tell you. As you said, Buster is making a book. He he took the the as you said, he's writing a book called I Was Safe because when they were initially discussing how Buster was safe with Arthur at the Sugar Bowl, they say like it's like oh I could have done this in the amount of time between when Buster was tagged and Buster says I could have wrote a book and I will write a book. Uh, so he does go along with I Was Safe or the Safe series as Muffy will adapt it. So he's going to use, of all things, a guided meditation CD to try and go back into his memories and remember being safe. Like he's going to take a nap with this guided meditation CD on and remember what happened. And what we get is a sequence in Buster's dream that is chock full of Arthur visual cameos, especially ones related to Buster. So I'm going to miss some of them surely, but here's a couple of the ones that I caught. This is so the, imagine this, the scene is Buster plummets from a cloud where he is talking to a crow to the baseball game. And along the way, we get different cuts of things floating past the screen. Some of them are just like objects like pizza and stuff like that. But then there's specific things. Like we see the flag for Kidonia. There is uh, the baseball turns into a woogle briefly. We see the comedian Vince Ruckles. We see squirrels, which is a reference to that episode from a few seasons ago. We see the Grain Reaper, which was a model from a few seasons ago as well. And there's a lot more. Like I always like to bring up when the Arthur writers are attentive to continuity because there's a lot of visual continuity shout outs probably even more than i mentioned here i um two things about this one 
it's awesome that there's so many Easter eggs for the heads like yes. ourselves. Yeah. Two, this is just a fun, you know, I always like it when Arthur gets psychedelic. Um, and when Buster sat down for his like transcendental meditation, his recall exercise, I didn't realize it was going to get so kind of wacky and out there with him, you know, baseball sliding on the moon, um, with all this stuff floating around. Um, so I like that it's psychedelic. I like all the references. Um, just cause I, I, you know, I, I noticed this and so I, I don't want to rag on things too much, but I will say that when this dream slows down at the end, kind of, it goes slow-mo for impact to kind of accentuate how the catcher actually did catch the ball before Buster had slid in. Mm-hmm. It goes into like a slow-mo effect. And unfortunately, because of the flash animation, it looks kind of bad. Uh, cause you could really see the frames and not in like an artistic way, but in a way where it just looks like kind of bad flash animation. Um, and it, it's a similar, you know, it's not that this would always happen with slow motion, right? In early seasons, you know, you can pre- uh, present slow motion in a way that's a little bit more visually interesting. Like when they give characters like a trail or they kind of leave mm-hmm. outlines of the previous frames. And this one just kind of felt a little bit lazy, which kind of is a it Mars what is otherwise a great sequence that I really enjoyed. Well, it's funny you mentioned transcendental med- meditation because... In that slow mo, the I, like I I I noticed that too. Like I, I didn't want to necess- I wasn't going to bring it up, but I did notice that. Like oh yeah, that slow motion looks weird. It does remind me of like when you see slow motion in a David Lynch movie. It's like mm. artificial looking to the point of like, well, he probably meant for it to look that way. Or if he didn't, then it adds to the weird surreal feeling. So I was all I also kind of was thinking of of David Lynch just. Like, Buster took one of my transcendental meditation classes, and now he's coming over to film a scene for Twin Peaks Season (laughs) 5. I just wanted an excuse to do my David Lynch. (laughs) You thought you saw your movie on a telephone. (laughs) On your phone. (laughs) There's no greater sadness. (laughs) So Buster, through this, as you said, remembers that, no, actually he was out, and Arthur was right. They Francine reveals that Muffy has footage of the stri- of the supposed strikeout, and they're going to watch it at her house. But Buster runs in before it can be screened, and he admits that he was out and Arthur was right. And at this point, the tide begins to turn in favor of Arthur. Namely, like Buster remembers that he was out. George admits that he's going to go with the umpire's call. Muffy decides that it doesn't really matter, and then Francine begrudgingly says, okay, well, you were the umpire, so what you say goes. And they just, it's like, okay, Arthur was right, he was vindicated, we're all good. They all leave, They all go to leave, Francine runs back in to see Muffy's footage, and at the end of it all, she actually missed the slide home because she stopped to look at the crosswire motor's blimp flying overhead. So it didn't matter anyway. And that's and that's that's the end. That's the end of it. Uh, anything we anything we didn't get to? Nope. I mean, I'll cover more of this in final thoughts. But I that was the ending I was hoping they were going to go with. I I really like that they leave it up to the audience. You know, it's not important whether he was actually out or if Arthur had missaw it. 
uh, it's what's actually important is that Arthur stuck to his guns and trusted his gut uh, in the face of all that adversity. And so I like that they they get so close to revealing it and then kind of pull it away. Mm-hmm. Um, really good way for that episode to wrap up. So, speaking of final thoughts, let's do it. Fountain Abbey. Uh, so we've both admitted that we're on a on the back foot when it comes to, I, I guess, truly appreciating everything that this episode is going for. But how did you feel about it? Uh, I mean, it was pretty good. Uh, there was the humor, I think, worked for me in this one, uh, especially kind of DW. Uh, is really funny as this like incredulous, uh, incredulous aristocrat. It's hurt because it is such a one-to-one parody of Downton Abbey, and I have no reverence for the source material. I'm just kind of left wondering. Hmm, I wonder how you know close to Downton Abbey this is, but I don't have enough context to know. Uh, it made me think of that cool AD song, which I probably haven't thought of in um, you know seven years or something. Uh, but it's definitely not, you know, I don't have the, I feel like you have to kind of have a reverence for Downton Abbey for this to be one of your favorites of the season. So not a boring episode, not an uninteresting episode, but just one that I can't see myself putting in a top five because I'm not really excited about it. What about you? I'm pretty much in the same way. I feel like I can respect what it's going for. And as we said, there's enough that you can recognize, even if you don't know much about Downton Abbey, to be like, oh yeah, I can see how that's probably like good for the show, but I mean, it's a risk whenever you do a long, a long term, not a long term, uh, like a long form parody episode in any cartoon. I was I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and somebody was talking about how when they were a kid, they were watching an episode of Pinky and the Brain, and there was like an ex- like there was an episode that was basically a Man of La Mancha parody, and it's like, well, that right away is going to lose a lot of kids or at least confuse them. But you, I, I think a lot of us appreciate when they do that. So as I say, the risk is that it's not going to work for everybody. And it didn't work for me in the sense of like, I don't have any attachment to Downton Abbey, but I like that they did it. Um, I, it seems like they did it well. Um, it was a decent little story again, a re a kind of a remix, but in a different way that involved a PBS property. Funny enough, and it was it was like it's it's fine. Like I, I I don't have any problem with it whatsoever. I'm not super excited about it. Like you, I'm just kind of in the middle about it. But I again would love to hear about any of our listeners who were like Downton Abbey heads and were way into this, and tell and tell me like why and what they got right. I would love to hear. Arthur calls it. I would say I like this just a little a little bit better because I it's again there's no parody that I'm not familiar with. Again, it's more in the, like, pretty good. Uh, I Much like last week's episode, it's another good light watch. Um, you were talking about how you thought it might end. I figured it was going to end with, like, everybody agreeing Arthur was right, and then the video shows that he was wrong. But nobody watches it or something, and then the footage gets deleted or something. But I appreciate that they have Arthur as I said before, have like a backbone and be like, no, I think I was right. And then it's all about, do I say I was wrong just to make everybody happy or do I stick to my guns and maybe lose friends? It's not that serious, but it is an interesting thing to put in there. A lot of good visual references, some funny lines in here. It's just, um, it, 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 it felt light and that's good. Like light episodes are not bad, but it also just means that like, yeah, this 
depending on what the rest of the season looks like, this could make a top five, but I, I don't I don't feel particularly strongly about it. I'm just like, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I actually feel pretty strongly about this one. I loved Arthur Calls It. You loved it? Uh, wow. Yeah, I was just, maybe I was in the mood for something light, given the storms knocking down our windows. That's true. But from the rip, I was really engaged with this episode. I don't know why, but I found, I, maybe it's because this is a story that they haven't really told yet. Um, and it's a unique moral of, you know, sometimes in the face of everything else in life, you're going to know you're right. And all you have to go on is is kind of that inner trust and everybody else is going to try and tear you down. And it's a unique moral, again, for an Arthur episode to uh, tackle. Yeah, the opening with Bitsy getting lost I thought was really funny. I like the framing device of the whole episode of a kind of Arthur seeing this this baseball event and everybody else is kind of uh, contesting his call. Um, I like everybody trying to bribe Arthur and Francine trying to bully him with the press. Um, Arthur kind of falters near the end. You know, he's like, maybe I, maybe I was wrong. I don't know. Um, I liked the bit with DW as a psychoanalyst. Um, the bit with Buster writing his novel and the whole reason why he does the transcendental meditation is so he could remember it better for his, his memoir. He's going to write about it. Um, the trippy sequence, the dream sequence. And then I love the way it all wraps up with everybody decides, you know, it doesn't matter. We trust Arthur at the end of the day. We're not going to watch this footage. And then even when you do watch the footage as the audience, you're like, okay, what really did happen? We get, you know, it's left up to the imagination, which is a, a, I like when stuff ends that way. They leave uh, an opening for the audience to kind of fill in the blanks. So I don't know. From start to finish, it's a really simple. Like, there's not an episode with a B-plot per se. It's a pretty simple through line of Arthur sees this thing, nobody believes him, and then we kind of wrap up. But I kind of liked it for that. I really enjoyed the simplicity, and I, I like the moral. Well, cool. I'm, I'm, I always appreciate when we're of two different minds about something because I, I enjoy seeing it from your perspective. So, all right, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it was in a different headspace or something like that, but interesting. I'm very glad that you were stronger about it than I was. And perhaps some of our listeners are as well. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Elwood city limits. We appreciate you being here. And again, if you're in the path of hurricane Lee, Stay safe. Coming up in the beginning of October, after Lucas uh, comes back, uh, we are going to be recording our next episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which is one of our two Patreon-exclusive series. And we're going to be talking about Angelina Ballerina, which is one of the more requested PBS Kids shows in amongst the submissions that we've gotten so far. And coming up next week... We're going to have a we're going to have actually quite a few guests on the show in this one episode. I figured it was a good idea. I've talked about this on the social media before and on the Discord as well, which is another perk of being a patron at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, um, that I have been on a show called The Wheel of Scoob a couple of times. It's a great time. I was on to talk about the two scooby-doo and wwe cartoon movies it was a great time had a like i love talking with those folks and i thought well if i'm looking for guests why don't i have them on and we can do a little bit of a wheel of scoob style episode of elwood city limits to give you an idea 
of what the show is like. Of course, they have their own Patreon, and we'll get into all that next week. But the Wheel of Scoob Trio are going to come by to help me talk about Whip, Mix, Blend, and Staycation. So I'm looking forward to that, and we're going to have another guest the week after that, but we'll get into that when we get into that. Lucas, with your travels up ahead, we wish you happy trails. Of course, you're not going to be traveling during this inclement weather, uh, I certainly hope, and uh, we'll look forward to you returning, because when you get back, it's going to be Halloween season. Oh, oh. I'm frightened. I'm scared. <laughs> So, yes, thank you again for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. we got guests on the way. Uh, we've got more Patreon content coming and lots more to talk about when it comes to Arthur. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Sweet Sycamore! The bunny's coming clean! We'll see you next time.